Hi, welcome to the Inspired Painter Podcast. My name is Jessica Libor, and I am a Philadelphia-based artist, curator, and art professor, as well as artist coach. In this podcast, I cover topics vital to the success of emerging and established artists, like inspiration, mindset, art business relationships, and artist career strategy. You'll also hear interviews from art world luminaries who share their wisdom. My goal for this podcast is for you to feel encouraged, inspired, and in control of your art career, and to help you become the best artist that you can be. Hello, and welcome to the Inspired Painter Podcast. I am back again and um, very excited to bring to you today a special guest. Um, I am here today with Jake Kleinman Phillips, and he is a brand design strategist at Touchpoint Design, which is a company that he started himself. He is a graduate of Savannah College of Art and Design, so is no stranger to the art world. And um, yeah, he has a very interesting story. So Jake and I recently met at a networking event in my area um, in Chester County. And um, yeah, we had a really inspiring discussion about being creative entrepreneurs. Um, I know we're in slightly different industries in that I'm a painter and Jake is a designer, um, but a lot of our kind of strategies and mindset really overlap with creating our own entrepreneurial businesses um, and, you know, being artistic. And so um, Jake has some really empowering ideas specifically around um, setting prices and knowing your worth. And so that is, um, that would be the main bulk of our discussion today. So I'm really excited to have Jake here on the podcast. So hello, Jake. Hey, hey how are you? I'm um, good. I how love are you? what you said. <laughs> oh, yeah, awesome. no problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Jake, um, tell us a little bit about um, kind of your, uh, how you got into um, the creative industry. Wow. Um, yeah, I feel like it's it's nice because you kind of put it how we, you kind of described it well, because we are in parallel with each other because we're all in kind of a creative avenue and a creative industry. And there's so many different overlaps, you know, through through a creative person's journey as well as the industries that they're in. So my journey kind of started, I guess, when you say officially, you know, if you were to have to pick a major and study. Um, I went to SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design uh, down in Georgia, and I originally had started studying uh, architecture. And then slowly I adjusted my field and I ended up studying in double design. And so out of college is kind of where my focus had been in more of the product world and kind of the 3D elements, um, even spaces. So a lot of interior design. So my brain kind of kind of started in this, um, I don't know, construction field where you kind of were thinking about buildings and spatial areas. And then it kind of slowly evolved. And I worked in the industry a bit and had some crazy jobs and different experiences. And with that evolution, I was starting to, you know, pick up some of the things that I gravitated towards. And so I started to see that brand design and, you know, the identity of businesses and companies and how they tell their stories started to match perfectly with the passions, passionate things that I do and things that I love because um, it was so personal. And so now everything is kind of pivoted, um, especially my business towards capturing that identity for businesses and showcasing that passion. And I actually get to take a lot of the skill sets that I've learned in my journey and apply them with what I'm doing because a brand design can morph and adjust and evolve in so many facets in so many ways um, for any type of business. So I think the landscape that I've, you know, evolved into is kind of like built on the compounding growth and lessons and all that. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I am today. That's great. Yeah. And um, I know we talked about like, you know, your journey a little bit more detail. And I know you've had many experiences that have led you to this point, but we don't have time to go into in this podcast. Damn it. But it's, um, <laughs> I mean, <you've> dang it. <laughs> Yeah, you've had quite a journey. And um, yeah, so how how long, when was it that you actually started your own company? Um, well, right now we're in early November. So in February, 
uh, will be three years. So I started it back in, what would that be, 2019, in February 2019 will be three years. Um, so kind of hitting that point. And from the day it started, you know, it's evolved so much until this will be coming that third year mark. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And what was the catalyst that made you, um, you know, kind of decide to start your own business and be an entrepreneur? Well, I didn't. Well, it's funny. I originally didn't. I never really associated myself with the word entrepreneur or never even saw myself in that. I don't know, in that doing that thing, doing, you know, the thing. Right. Um, and I guess that's because of my own, I don't know, stereotypes and ways that I saw what that actually was. And so I didn't really understand the definition of an entrepreneur. And so for me, um, it kind of it kind of started where it was built out of a need and along all the experiences and people that I had met along my way, there was people that needed things done with the skill sets that I had. Mm -hmm. And that was from the, the graphic side. That was from the physical building side, the fabrication, the design side. And for me, I didn't, thankfully, I didn't close those opportunities off and I kind of embraced them and welcomed them. And mm -hmm. along doing that, I was able to go, cool, I can fulfill a need and help all these people with skills and slowly learn how I can harness that into you know, a business, into something that would evolve to something that I would love to do. So I didn't never even saw that that was the opportunity that it would take to it kind of started um, in a need in this, in the, and it was almost like a supply and demand well from what I could um, yeah. help people with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so people were asking you like, um, can you design my logo? Can you help me out with this? And All then, of it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That's great. Um, that's really wonderful. I don't know if, many of my listeners know this, but I actually did, I actually worked as a graphic designer for a year. Um, I, right out of college and um, I was designing logos for companies and I was designing websites for people. And um, it actually, I'm really glad that I had that experience because it helped me uh, to have the skills to be able to design my own things so that I didn't have to constantly go to somebody else to design those. So it taught me those skills. Um, but I realized it was not for me because um, I was always thinking about painting. I was like, oh, you know, I, I really right, want to paint. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but some for some people, the design and everything um, is, is really a gift and it's something that they really love doing. So um, what's yeah. your favorite part of helping people express their brand man i so what's been cool this past year and i've kind of transformed a little bit of my process into i i've dialed it in so that way my process can be a little bit more um, efficient as well as valuable and one of the coolest parts is the front end of you know having conversations with clients and helping them understand their vision and so I actually uh, love the, that first part is I'll sit down and do almost a two hour interview with some clients. And we go through all of those elements and start to peel away the layers, who they are and what their business is and what these goals are. And just almost like this whole vision of where they want to get to. And that part of creating clarity into the desired outcome in the future state is like, you'll see light bulbs come off and you'll see all these ideas and things that they've never thought of. And just adding in all this perspective into kind of the, the tank of ideas for them and um, mm -hmm. is so powerful. And so that is like such an inspirational piece for me. I love doing. And mm -hmm. then throughout the journey, we, you know, build some craziness that, that helps to bridge that gap. And obviously at the end, I love seeing it all come together, but some of those first pieces are some of the coolest things because people yeah. really have that light bulb go off. This episode is sponsored by the Luminary Artist Academy. The Luminary Artist Academy is a six-month self-paced transformational course for contemporary realist feminine artists to blossom into the higher level of professional success from the inside out. The Luminary Artist Academy was written for you. As an artist myself who has been through the dark night of my own soul and through the thickets of my own limiting beliefs, in order to come out on the other side, I feel the struggle and I know where you are. I know the desires that you feel and the frustration 
at feeling like they are out of reach, and I have discovered the keys to unlocking your own potential and totally transforming the reality of your creative practice and your experience as an artist in a very short time after doing it myself. And I wrote the Luminary Artist Academy to share this process with you. So the Luminary Artist Academy is a comprehensive, detailed, step-by-step course that takes you on an odyssey through the inner chambers of your heart and soul to your creative practice and out into the world where you shine your confident feminine light as a luminary in your field. This course supports you every single step of the way to guide you into stepping into your highest version of yourself within your artistic career and your life. Don't let another year go by just thinking about it and without taking action. Being in limbo, saying next time or I'll do it later, is the reason why you feel like you're spinning your wheels and staying stuck. By doing the same things in the same way, you'll likely be in the same place you are now, six months from now, if you don't take action. Take the first steps today to believe in a different future for yourself. The gallery shows, press celebrating your work, and sales pouring in from your art is what you know you are meant for and what you ultimately deserve. Your most aligned artistic career is waiting for you. It's time to believe in yourself and value your dreams. I believe in you. Explore the course via the link in the show notes or at www.thevisionaryartistsalon.com. Oh, I love that. That's so great. Um, I just had an idea. I think it would be really valuable for some of the listeners to think about um, how to really um, express their own brand kind of as an artist. Um, So uh, would you be willing to share some of the questions that you ask some of your clients um, for like when you're trying to discover like who they are as like a brand identity? Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I feel like I have you have a certain foundation of questions that kind of cover different topics from, you know, business growth and kind of your audience that you want to speak to some of you, even your personal goals. Um, and for each client, depending on what their needs are, you kind of will um, personalize it. So that way it's tailored to exactly what fits their businesses. Some are, some businesses are bigger, some are smaller in this situation. Um, you have a lot of listeners that are probably more into the personal branding side where they might be their own solopreneurs, you know, right. yes. and I, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think, I think for them, what's, what's important to nail down um, is something that we call like a value proposition, your unique value prop- proposition. And that's basically saying the foundation of your brand and its personality and its values and all mm-hmm. the things that are going to make it unique because every single one of you has been unique and different to bring to the world so the questions that are, are centered around what is that genius? So I would almost say to you guys that- Ooh, that's a good you know, question. <laughs> what I would say is, and this is my brain working in action, right? Because it's kind of, I'm tailoring it towards personal branding. I would want to peel away the layers of your genius, of mm-hmm. where you've been, kind of where you're at, where you want to go. And what are the things you love to do? What are those passionate pieces? Because at the end of the day, those are the things that, you love that you're going to paint about that's going to make you unique because at the end of the day this business is centered around you so you don't want to give that genius away and your genius looks nothing you know uh comparable to the people around you you guys can all be painters sculptors artists right but everyone has their own uniqueness um to the world to give yeah yeah that's really great um yeah so what is your genius i love that So in my program, the Luminary Artist Academy, I actually have like a whole um, section on, you know, defining yourself as an artist. And some of the questions that I ask are like, um, you know, if you, if you had already had like, you know, if you were already set for life, let's say you were like a billionaire, Mm -hmm. what, and you didn't need to like paint your money or anything, you could paint for like your legacy. And like, what do you actually want to create in the world? Like what, what are those things that you would paint if you didn't need to sell anything ever? If you just wanted to create something for like just people to see, you know? And um, I think that'll, that tells a lot about 
what people actually want to create at their highest level because um like if all like need is taken away then it's just your pure creative essence and like what is that you know um like for instance for me when well, i ask myself go ahead well i was gonna say i I'm, and i'll challenge you with that piece but i want to challenge you how because that's a very similar question to what I will ask a lot of clients. Like if you were doing something that mm -hmm. was irrelevant and disconnected to money, um, mm -hmm. what would you be doing? And I'm curious as an artist and obviously as a designer too, and some of these other businesses, how far off does that answer need to be? Because if as an artist, I would say, you know, are you dictated what you create is what you create dictated by what you want to express or dictated by what your clients want to see and want to hold on to in value yeah that's a great question um and i'll answer that um but for me if i if i look at that question i'm like there's no constraints about anything um i don't need to sell it i just want to create something purely to create it for like the world to see forever um like it's very close to what i'll be i'm creating right now okay um, okay you know, right. images of uh you know female heroines, um, you know, beautiful, surreal landscapes, stuff like that. Like, I, I see that, um, of course, like, probably if I had no uh, monetary constraints, I'd probably work like much larger and um, be able to uh, spend more time on it because, you know, then I would be able to hire housekeepers and people to like, just, you know, do all that stuff. Of course, <laughs> of course, right. But um, <laughs> this thing, 30 buildings tall, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and, and then I would be able to probably be more intentional about where I place the, um, place the piece and, um, you know, even just give it away to the right institution, you know? So, um, yeah. so there are different things that I would, I would look at if money was totally not involved, but, um, to answer your question, how far off is it and how far willing, are you willing to go, um, to support yourself? I think that, um, for me, I want to stay within the realm of what I like to paint and what is my expertise. Um, so for instance, I don't do a lot of pet paintings. Um, you know, like pet portraits, because I know it's not really my forte. Um, but, um, you know, a so, something that I, I will do is I know I'm really good at horses. So I will do like portraits of people's horses. Um, and I'm just not as good at, um, or it's not my forte as much like, you know, painting cats and dogs and stuff like that. And it's not right. my passion either. Um, so there's that. And then also like, um, I do a lot of commissions like wedding, wedding, um, wedding commissions and stuff like that, but it's actually very close to what I naturally want to paint, which is like female heroines in these beautiful dresses and beautiful landscapes. And it's like, well, you know, I'm painting this bride in this beautiful dress and this beautiful landscape. <laughs> right. like, well, that's pretty aligned, you know, um, just because it's not, you know, um, uh, a heroine from ancient history or something like that. Um, I can, yeah, I think it's close enough that I feel really good about doing that. So, um, for me, it's like, it's gotta be somewhat aligned to my skill set and, um, and interests, but I'm, I'm willing, I'm certainly willing to like, um, you know, go outside of that because, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I still need to make a living too. So, um, so well, it, that's what I, it's a, it's a healthy balance. It's I'm right. pulling out the words you're saying needs one skills. That's your passion, right? Mm -hmm. I would almost say, well, what do you love doing? And then almost like, well, what's the supply? What do the people want? What is the need? Mm -hmm. And then there's also the expertise. Hey, what am I good at? And yeah. it's like, you're trying to nail this Venn diagram and in the middle, hopefully that's the right balance where it's, it's something that you can be sustainable with. You're profitable with it. You love it. You enjoy it. People love it. You enjoy it. And that's kind of like this, that that's kind of the hearty piece right in the middle that ideally, if you can solve that and you can find that formula, then mm -hmm. that's the thing that you're going to wake up to every day and absolutely love, you know? Yeah. 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 Because if you, yeah, the, I think the, the issue comes in where um, some artists feel that they have an interest, they're, they're, they have an interest in creating something that nobody has an interest in buying. So I hear that sometimes mm. it's like, you know, my, my art is so specific and like, it's very rare that somebody wants it. Um, but 
I always say like, if, if you are, you know, desiring to create something, there's definitely a niche of people who are like all about that. It's just about finding that niche of people, because I will tell you, I was at the Renaissance fair last weekend and, um, that's a very specific niche of people who are like into that. It's true. <laughs> They're diehards though. They are absolutely diehards. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, you see people like literally pretending like they're from the Renaissance. And when I went there, I was like, oh, it's going to be, you know, you know, a couple hundred, you know, kind of nerdy, nerdy, uh, cosplay kind of people, um, which I'm totally, uh, lump myself into that. That's fine. Um, but I get there and there are thousands of people, thousands, like all dressed up, like totally into it. And, um, you know, I was like, wow, this is a great exercise in, you know, finding your audience because I'm sure in everyday life, those people who are like Renaissance diehards, they probably feel like they're the weird one, you know, in most of their life. But then they go to the Renaissance fair and they're like, oh, look at all these people just like me, you know? My people. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's it's such a specific, um, you know, set of people. So whoever, yeah. whoever you are looking to attract in your work, like as collectors, um, as artists, they're absolutely out there. And what I've found is that they are usually people with a similar mindset to you. Um, if not the similar demographic, then then a similar um, kind of like aesthetic or mindset. Um, for instance, um, for me, like I'll, I have a lot of collectors who are um, who are female and who are uh, a little bit older than me, more established, um, but they have they still have that like kind of romantic aesthetic, um, that romantic mindset, and you know they love beauty. And so they have like this similar spirit um, that they appreciate my work. So, um, so if you need any clues as to like, who is my audience? Like, you know, look for people who are kind of like you and where do those people hang out, you know? I, I, I love that. Um, I also, let me build a little extension bridge to that. <laughs> but uh, yeah. in kind of in the, the brand design world, um, I, obviously they overlap and everything is so kind of connected because we're creatives, but I think the framework that also helps you understand almost who your niche is and you guys have the collector world and I kind of have the client world and they're both the same types of people. It's just people that are connected to what you can help them do and what your value is. And I think one of the frameworks that helped me as my, for my business helped to develop, you know, who is it that my audience is and who is it that I want to talk to? Because even in your marketing and your language and your brand, you can't necessarily talk to everyone. And that's the mistake early on that I was, yes. that I didn't quite understand. And mm -hmm. so the, the, the framework was, hey, instead of finding a niche, you know, find an obsession. What mm -hmm. do you actually care about? And yes. then go after those people. Because then you're going to wake up and you're talking to these and you're like your messaging resonates directly into their soul. So if you're talking to Renaissance people, talk to them. If you're talking to the change makers that I love to engage mm -hmm. with, that's what I live and breathe. So as I develop, I'll start to dial in my language. And now I'm not talking to the rest of the world. I'm talking to those old. and they'll hear you. They will definitely hear you. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's so great. And um, so the one thing that artists can do and designers, I'm sure too, but um, I found it useful to keep a blog um, or a newsletter or something like that because it helps people to connect with you. And um, when I write my blog or my newsletter, just like updating people about what I'm what I'm working on, um, what's inspiring me, I keep in mind um, like who is my ideal client, and I picture them and I write to them, and I'm like I'm writing like I'm writing directly to them. And it helps me so much to create a connection with people because then you're not writing to this like faceless crowd, which can, which can like, I don't know, when I, when I think about like all the people that could read it, I'm like, it makes me not want to write anything. But if I think of like one person, then, <laughs> then it becomes yeah. like writing a letter and I'm like, you know, able to be more personable and 
um, and share of myself more. So, um, so that's, yeah, that's a good tip too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't know, does your, does your company do copywriting as well? Yeah. So that's actually something that same as, you know, an entrepreneur, like it's like, I never thought that I would be an entrepreneur here I am. Right. And I, now I'm embraced it, you know, and, um, as a copywriter, I, you know, that's something that that's a role that I'm slowly, I originally was like, oh, I don't know how to write and get paid for that. It felt like something that was so, um, it, you had to be an expert. It felt like you, you, it's like being an artist or a designer. Like, I don't need to know how to sketch something perfect. I just need to, have to know how to doodle an idea. Like, give me the chicken scratch, just communicate it. And copywriting, I'm slowly starting to see that that uh, the standard blur and morph into something that I may be able to be, be able to achieve because for me, copywriting, I guess I thought it was something else. And what it really is, is just writing from the heart and yeah. just verbally expressing what you're passionate about and who you want to talk to. And mm -hmm. so slowly I'm adding in that service as something that I want to help my clients with. Hey, I'll consult you on these things. Um, mm -hmm. Eventually, obviously I, I have it as a something that I can bring as an additional service that other one, other people can do and I will contract them in. But eventually I would love to be able to be confident enough to be able to add that to something that I can help my clients with. Cause I love, I love talking. I love writing. I feel like, you know, even I love designing it all kind of blends together. And so mm -hmm. I think when you can harness all those skills, that's where you're hitting true value. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, I remember when I was in graduate school, there were so many classes that were just about writing, where we had to write all about our art. And it was mm. something that was like really surprising to me because I always thought like, oh, art is just visual and it's, you know, self-explanatory. And um, but actually, when you write about your work, it creates context for the work, which helps collectors or, um, you know, uh, museums, whoever's interested in your work, it really helps them to uh, connect with it and um, make it more powerful and um, explain things that people may not like otherwise realize about your art. And I realized how important it is and um, to write about your process, to write about your art. And um, so I started to get better at it. And then I also recently um, read some copywriting books, which are, were very interesting because um, copywriting is, you know, it's something different. It's really, um, you're right, it's about writing from the heart, but um, but the the goal of it is different than um, typical, like writing in your diary or something like that, in that it's usually um, explaining and uh, sharing from your heart with the goal of selling something. Um, so yeah, it's it, it was a different way of looking at it, um, but um, I try to, I try to look at copywriting as like, um, you know, sharing the value of something, you know? Well, I think that still connects even with, you know, you're basically saying, um, you're making sure you're also bringing in that piece of clients. You know, you're not just blindlessly kind of wandering into the forest and knowing someone's listening or watching your journey. I think you're also talking to your audience. So yeah. as, as much as it's important to, you know, speak from the heart, I think you're also very aware of the people that are going to see these things and the collectors and your clients and your audience, um, because you want to create value for them. You want your work to have value. So you have to be aware of what is that piece. Also, I feel like everyone can, we say this word copywriting, but I think it's talk about their work. And I think it's very similar to how a brand will work. Everyone has a different brand. Everyone has different touch points to how their brand functions, but having your work in an exhibition or having that artist statement or the process piece, those are, that's your brand. So mm -hmm. that's an opportunity for you to have to see your brand without you there, right? That's what a brand is. It's that gut feeling that people learn about your work and what you provide. So I think as you guys start to build the verbal and the written skills around your work, you're going to start to like you, I want you to learn to enjoy that piece. So that way you can get better at it. And that way, when you're ready to express and share your ideas in a blog, in a newsletter, in a podcast, um, you, you're, you've, you've harnessed that. And now you've really captured, you know, that true piece and the value of your work. Yes, I love that. And I have a good example of that, actually. So 
Um, I did an installation piece a couple of years ago when I was in graduate school, and one of my professors said, you know, when you do an installation piece, and for those of you who don't know, an installation piece is basically where you take a room and you do something really creative with it, basically. Um, and so what I did was, um, it was like around Valentine's Day, and I made this like kind of Valentine themed exhibition. And um, I, I, I had this book, it was like um, 100 love letters from great men. And um, I was like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> so what I did was I, um, I like wrote out in like all these different handwritings, um, like all these different love letters. And these were like, you know, people like John Keats or, you know, great writers mm -hmm. or, um, you know, past presidents like George Washington, stuff like that. And then I got interested in like, well, what about like, you know, people like Hitler and stuff like that? Did they like ever? And and like, I found like all these like nefarious world leaders um, had also like written love letters to their people. Some of them whom you know they executed. Um, so it so I included those as well. And so I put them all around the room for people to read. And like I aged them with tea and everything. And then um, I drew this forest, which was like representing like the feminine presence, um, like. I, covered like one wall and then all these letters were around it um, representing kind of like the masculine. And it was kind of asking women about, um, I don't know, choices about love and whether or not it's worth it and what is love. And um, so I, and then I had an altar where people wrote um, their own love letters that they could write um, and then add it to the collection. So it was like very interactive. Anyway, so my professor said, she said, you should go into, you know, your installation room and you should write about it because you know, it's, you're never going to be able to write about it as well as when you're experiencing it and you just created it. So I went in there one day and I wrote this whole long thing all about like what the experience was, what the concept is, what it's all about. And then I published it with like some pictures like on my blog. And a lot of times for artists, like a blog can feel like you're just writing into the hinterlands, like no one's reading it. Um, does anyone really care? Um, you know, because, uh, I don't know, it can just feel like that. Um, like you're putting a lot of work into something and you know, you're not necessarily getting- Of course. No, of course. I had a professor say very similar things where yeah. as a designer, it's so hard to design for something if you're not, if you don't know enough about it or if you're not fully immersed into it. So as let's say an, as an interior designer, how the heck can you design anything if you're not, in that space kind of feeling right. it like if you're doing it on you know you can design anything with a 3d model on a computer but mm -hmm. can you actually understand the spatial depth between a human's interaction and the stranger and how much space they want in between them it's like there's so many things that mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. get and observe and it's kind of like saying you know a picture doesn't really describe it with yeah you know, isn't worth a thousand words well wait till you see the cliffs of aware and you understand that all those little white specks were actually like these golden pigeons that are flying around and and it's <laughs> like you really don't capture that true experience um yeah. by not really you know jumping into it you know yeah yeah so um and i i totally hear you like space is so important and context is so important um, but anyway, uh, just to wrap up my story, I, um, I wrote about it and I published it. And then um, it was like two years later, I got this email from um, PBS and they said they wanted to do like this, um, this like TV feature on the piece and like interview me for it. Oh, and wow. I was like, how, wow. How did you find me? And they were like, oh, we just like, we Googled like romantic, you know, artist Philadelphia and, you know, your blog popped up and I was like, you know, it, wow. yeah. So, um, so you never know who's going to be specifically looking for exactly what you created. Um, oh. and just to, to, to put yourself out there fully, you know, and, um, yeah, when you put yourself out there fully, the right opportunities come to you, you know, um, cause they're looking for you actually. Um, yeah. And that's the power of playing the long game versus the short game. Yes. That is an example of hey, I'm willing to put this investment in there. And it, it just so happened that SEO found you and it took exactly the effort you put in and it it, it paired it up with the person that was looking for what you had. Mm -hmm. um, and that is how the long game works is you're not gonna find immediate success overnight. So don't necessarily expect that. Know mm -hmm. that your efforts are all kind of slowly compounding on your success and where you're gonna, where your journey will take you.
Yeah, I love that. So um, I know we talked about when we um, when we originally met up, we talked about like um, setting your prices and like knowing your worth and all that stuff. So um, as a um, business owner, um, what advice would you have for other independent business owners who are creative, so artists or um, other designers or um, anybody in this field kind of, um, as far as setting your prices, do you have any anywhere to start that you kind of found helpful for yourself? Sure. Um, well, that's a great question. And I want to say if I were to look back even a year and a year before that and a year before that, I would have a different answer every single time. But I will say this, where I am right now with my business and the growth is I've already, like, if I look back, I've, I've learned so many valuable lessons that have slowly shifted my perspective. And so I've, I feel like I've grown so much. Do I know everything? Am I an expert at everything? No, but am I able to start to stay open-minded as well as evolve into something where I can continue to get better? Absolutely. So some of those, and I'll tell you kind of the framework and what some of those lessons that tie into the framework um, work as, and originally as, as a designer for me, um, in my work specifically, I was told that there were three different facets to, you know, the formula of pricing your creative. And I always thought that, you know, the, the things were the market value of what everyone else around you is charging because everyone sees that you could go research that it was also your own expenses. It was the materials of whatever you had to, the software you needed to operate your system or, you know, the, the canvas that you needed for your paintings, all of those things were the expenses. And then the third piece was the client's budget. And that was something that, well, what do they, what are they willing to pay for or allocate funds for? And so that was kind of how I originally started and slowly some things worked, some things didn't, and even being able to understand how to put creativity from hourly as a designer and you know paying for your time or or product bases or value based, there were all these different angles and nuances. And slowly I, I started to realize that the only thing that was holding me back from charging higher prices or actually dialing my value or increasing my self-worth was myself. That was the only thing that has held me back and still will continue to hold me back because it doesn't, at the end of the day, um, even if market value is way higher than you, you're, you know, whether you think you're going to jump past that or stay underneath that, all those things are dialed into your own self-worth and your yeah. own self-worth is telling that story. Mm -hmm. So that has been one of the biggest, um, almost like in, insightful and powerful things that I've like learned. And once I learned that, I was like, oh, I get the game now. Like now the game is, all right, how can I, Jacob Kleiman Phillips, you know, continue to build the compounding growth and nurture myself and empower everything that's around me. I'm going to find a supportive community. I'm going to find the right things that I want to curate that help my personal development and my positivity. Like now it's, it's less about what everyone else is doing. And it's more about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. and, and, and an example of it, and a very tangible example is like, get out of your client's wallet. <laughs> like it really has nothing to do with other, what other people are kind of doing. The ones that love your work are going to gravitate towards what you do and what you bring out to the world. And that's the genius piece that I'm talking about. Uh -huh. Dial in and care about your genius because if you don't care, no one else is going to care about it. So take care of yourself first and worry about that. And that will help you have a limited, limited ceiling um, with your self-worth as well as prices. Yes, I love that. And there's so much to dive into there. Um, I just have a quick example. So um, one of my favorite living artists is Brad Kunkel. And I have studied with him. I think his work is genius. I think he's a genius. Um, and I'm so <laughs> like, grateful to have studied with him. I, I love his work. I love his, uh, the topics of his work and everything. And, um, but you know, his work is very expensive. And, um, you know, I've been to New York to see his exhibitions and everything. And, and oh, yeah. I just, I love, I love everything about it. Like, it's like magic to me. So um, while I was, uh, I, I did like an online course with him. He does these like online courses very sparingly where he like takes on like, um, it, it's like a mentorship with like five people. And I did this um, last year, like in 2021 during the pandemic. And it was like, 
such an amazing time of growth for me. Um, but he did like this demo piece and, um, uh, and I loved it. And, um, I actually messaged him. I was like, you know, uh, how much is that demo piece? Just, just ask because it was very small. I was like, maybe I could like possibly afford it like with, um, with like installments and it ends up, you know, it was, it was, you know, expensive, but, um, mm -hmm. but I have been paying it off in like installments and mm -hmm. I'm on my last installment, um, actually this month, and then he's going to ship it to me. And, um, I'm so excited, but that's just like, you know, he, he couldn't have known that I was going to like become a collector because I'm not the typical collector, like another artist, you know, who is doing the same thing as you're doing, um, you know, not at the level of success that he is at, um, you know, sh showing like, uh, you know, for a, a very high dollar amount. Um, he couldn't have known that I was going to purchase that. So he doesn't know what's inside my wallet, just like you said. And, um, and wow. it's, yeah. it's also about how much value I confer upon his work. So he has spent his career building the value of his work. And there's a couple of things that really it comes down to for convincing people that your work is valuable. And I think that it's um, number one, consistency. So consistency of quality. Um, and then number two, um, you know, consistency in your, like your pricing. So you don't like really vary wildly in your pricing. And um, mm -hmm. I think three is like longevity and then four is clarity. Um, but yeah, and maybe five is passion because um, when you're passionate about something, people just like catch fire. It's like, you know, they want a piece of that. So I don't know, that's, those Gosh, are my thoughts I... about it. Um, well, I'll tell yeah. you this too before you switch it to another topic, but your bottom line between all of those facets are literally like, hey, what's the price that's gonna be high enough for you to actually enjoy creating your work? Because if it's below that, then that's something that you're, you're gonna be kind of, you're not gonna wake up out of bed. So yes, you dial in consistency all the way to clarity, but at the same time, get your prices enough where you're excited about um, as well. And also I have one more really good example because yeah. that person that had your work and that, Oh, he, he literally, you didn't even know you were a client and he pulled you into loving his work. So that example right. yeah. is incredible because you came out of the, you know, the woodworks and I want to bring a story to, um, there was a story that someone was telling me and there was just an example of Picasso and how Picasso was sitting at a bar one day and, and you guys might've heard of this example, but mm -hmm. you know, a friend of his has him draw, you know, a little vase on a napkin. And the guy's like, oh, man, draw me this vase on a napkin. And Picasso draws him this vase on a napkin. And he goes, wow, I, I love it. Uh, how much for it? Can I have this napkin, this vase on a napkin? And Picasso looks at him and he goes, $30,000. Mm -hmm. And the guy goes, what do, you, what do you mean? You just drew that vase on a napkin. It took you 10 seconds. Yeah. And the, the idea behind the answer and how he explained it to him was, no, no. That second vase on a napkin has taken me 30 years to get mm -hmm. to this point. Mm -hmm. And there's so much power into that compounding growth and that value of, of your experience and mastering your skill and all that. Oh my God, it, that was a powerful yes, story. Yes. And um, that is a really powerful story. I love that. And um, I hear it often from artists too, who go to museums and they're like, you know, why is this in a museum? And my piece is not, you know, uh, <laughs> I, like I could have done that. Like, why is this here? And why is this not? And um, there's a lot of reasons for that, but um, I always tell artists like it all comes down to like that artist like self-concept because that artist is probably, has probably, um, you know, stretched themselves and submitted to opportunities that were like higher end, um, you know, higher level because they saw themselves as worthy of that level. And it really doesn't have anything to do with what your art looks like. It, it really has to do with like, um, uh, you know, who you see yourself to be. Um, Their self-worth, right? I mean, yeah. that's really what it, it doesn't even, look, you allocated funds because you valued painting and you were like, I want, yeah. I want that. And yeah. that's the, that's showing the power of, you know, don't necessarily worry about what others are thinking. And like, if you, if he lived in your wallet, he would have never known you would have set up flexibility to be able to afford his work. 
And that's what I mean by don't, don't stay in someone's wallet, like get out of your client's wallet, just Mm -hmm. care about your craft and what you love to do and get that message out. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Um, Yeah. And another practical thing to think about is like, um, you know, how much do you want to make in a year as an artist? Um, And to kind of start with like, like an idea of a number and then work backwards, like, okay, say I want to make like uh, $50,000 a year, you know, and what do I have to do? How many paintings do I need to sell um, to make that? And it's, if you have higher price paintings, then it's going to take less paintings to sell that, but they're going to be to different kind of collector probably um, than if you were going to sell, you know, 10,000 paintings at like $5 each or something. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exactly, I, I think we talked a little bit about that too, because yeah. there was such, there was such value in understanding what, you know, what is the, what is the tangibility and the feasibility of what do you, you know, how are you actually going to get there and not doing it blindly. It's valuing the metrics as well, mm-hmm. because the business world for creatives is such a scary thing. It feels like, and I started that way too. Um, one of the cool things that I learned this past year was actually instead of just being tunnel focused exactly on the present, um, mm-hmm. lifting your head up and thinking about the future. And I think you might have talked about this last episode as well is instead of thinking on your past and dwelling back there, keep mm-hmm. your mind you know, up and focused on the future. And that means that you know you want to create that desired lifestyle. Not mm-hmm. even necessarily, yes, the annual salary is something that is super, super, like piece all these pieces out, but why don't you create the vision and the dream? If you were mm-hmm. able to create the lifestyle that you want to attain, I want to travel for work. I want to, um, I want to go on these vacations. I want to purchase these flamboyant things. I want to collect amazing <laughs> art, like what create that lifestyle that you love and then work yourself backwards. Mm-hmm. This time I was the wrong I was the wrong uh, formula. I was always kind of like, cool, living month to month. And as a designer and as a creative for me, that never actually like allowed me to look up and see where, where was I actually headed? Because mm-hmm. so many of the times we, if, you know, we always talk about if you're a degree off in, you know, your yes. you're going to be miles off, right? Yes. So- oh my gosh. Yes. That's so good. And I just thought of something else. Um, so this is such a great example. So many artists, and I've been guilty of this myself. Um, so you you can get also stuck in like the paycheck to pay, paycheck thing, but it's more like painting to painting thing where you're like, um, yeah. I got to sell this like $300 right. painting, you know, just to make the electric bill or whatever. And, um, and so you get stuck in this, like, how do I sell this? How do I sell this? When, if you could just take a step back and be like, how am I valuing my work? And like, how can I, um, you know, raise the worth of my work so that, you know, my paintings are now selling for 5,000 so I don't have to feel desperate all the time, you know? Um, so yeah, taking a step back and, you know, thinking, thinking more strategically is, is definitely important. And the last question I wanna end with is, um, you know, so how do you raise your self-worth? What are some practical strategies that you might suggest for raising your self-worth so that you actually believe that you could be worth um, not not only what you want to make financially, but also like achieving some of these dreams that you have as a creative? Okay, so I think, and I'm, I'm making a note here because I'm trying to wrap my brain around what are some of the tangible items that, you know, I've taken and I think there are some pieces that you have to kind of keep in mind, almost like mindset. Well, first off, it's mindset framework. I think you're nailing down the mindset framework and that is failing fast and failing forward. So that Mm -hmm. way you can learn if this thing wasn't priced appropriately or it was, and how quick is this selling? Like there's, there's a lot of things that, you know, you want to be the one to fail first. So that way, you get that painting and you can get up and you can keep continue to make your work or you can create your sculptures or your designs um, is experiment as much as you pos- as you possibly can. So that way you don't get stuck and you're able to continue to evolve and adapt and adjust your course and keep moving forward. 
So harness that piece and continue to move forward. So that's a mindset piece that I want you to kind of understand. Um, I think the, the second tangible piece um, is to try to find your people, try to find your community, find your Renaissance people that have the cup holders with their beer growlers that they also love to wear as well. Yeah. That's a shout out to my sister because I know she has one. <laughs> um, and I think um, there's so much value to that. And when you go in it solo and, and you, you know, you're, you're trying to your secrets and all, you know, you're trying to harness this thing and do it all yourself. Um, I think there's a part when once you learn that if you accept help and you want to also help others and you surround yourself by the right people, it's easier. You'll start to move traction quicker. And for the longest time, I kind of thought the same as well. It was like, I, I want to be, I want full credit over my journey. So it shows that I did it all myself. And, you know, that was something that I had to kind of get through as a mindset hurdle was like, no, it's, you know, in, in order for me to succeed and get to that self-worth, you know, I wanted to accept and help others and have them help me. And so I think there's a part of understanding the value of a community. And for me, like in this past year, I know we talked about it, but I've invested in a business coach and a program that has surrounded me with the people that are doing very similar things to me and a like-minded community that are all there to help each other. It's not me versus them. It's not me versus the world. It's it's mm -hmm. us moving together because we all have our own unique genius. And that was something, you know, I had to kind of learn was, oh, wow, we really aren't competing or, you know, whatever those words are that you, that you think. Um, and so that's been super important. Um, what are some things that you've kind of noticed as well? I'm kind of curious, tangible things. Yeah, um, well, first of all, yeah, thank you for sharing those. And I think that, um, yeah, especially the community part is really important. And um, yeah, so specifically, as you were talking, I was thinking like, um, joining a community or um, hanging out with some of your like art heroes or heroines, um, like people who have accomplished what you hope to accomplish or something close to it. So any, any way that you can get closer to them and kind of just like absorb their way of thinking, it will help you to change your own way of thinking to be, um, to believe that you can do it. So, um, so I've, I've invested in many coaches and courses that have dramatically um, elevated my life because I'm making different choices based on um, what I'm learning and realizing that, you know, more successful people do. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, who you hang out with really makes a difference in how you live your life. So, um, you know, choose, choose to spend time with people who are going to really elevate you. You may not be able to access these kinds of things for free, like you may not be able to, um, uh, you know, be a mentor, uh, be mentored by, you know, your preferred person for free. <laughs> um, because usually they've gotten to that point because they're so, so um, focused and dedicated on their time and they're very smart with it. So you may have to take classes to be, to have access to these kinds of people. Um, but in my experience, all of those classes have always paid back like um, so much more than I've invested in them. Um, not, not, not just monetarily, but also um, in like lifestyle quality and also like the way that I create my art has elevated, um, my business practices have elevated. So it's definitely worth your, worth your time to really look into how you can specifically learn from people that you respect. Um, so yeah, definitely that. Um, other ways to elevate your self-worth, um, they're not going to tie that much into uh, pricing, um, ironically, but I've just found for myself, so things that I've done that have really elevated my self-worth is um, keeping promises to myself. Um, it really increases your self-respect to keep promises to yourself, you know, really small promises, like what time you're going to get up in the morning or um, you know, um, you know, trying to be on time, you know, uh, not ghosting on, on people and, um, just being somebody that is very thorough in all of your, in all of your dealings and somebody that you respect, that you would respect. 
Um, and that means like following through on things, especially promises to yourself. So that is going to increase your self-respect for sure. The other thing that I've found that's helpful is making some very small lifestyle changes that kind of just like elevate that I'm worth it, you know, um, for instance, um, a lot of times, you know, it can be as simple as just like keeping your studio really clean and organized makes me feel really good. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a form of treating yourself with respect. And when you have a clean studio and workspace, you feel like you are the kind of artist who can charge more um, because you, you're worth it. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, no, I, it's like I completely, I, I agree. And you know what? It's funny because now, now thinking about this a little more, and I bet my business coach, if she's listening, she'd be like, you better say this. <laughs> so I wanted to share this piece, but yeah. I think that the biggest piece is also celebrating the wins. Mm. And I say that as whether it's small or big, that's mm -hmm. something that I never really did. I was month to month. I was present minded. I was past minded. I never thought future. I never thought and celebrated where I was. You know, I, I remember even early on, I was like, man, I have so far to get to look at that massive mountain. And I remember early on, I had a coach that was like, did you even look behind you? Did you even see how far you got? You know, yeah. there's a lot of perspective changes, but mm. one of the most important, consistent, um, you know, habits that have helped me this past year has been tracking the wins, the weekly wins, the big ones, the small ones, because there's so much silver lining in all of that. Mm -hmm. And the, even in the lessons of of being able to improve, whether you call it failure or mistakes, there's so many lessons there. But how about the times that, you know, you you read your book for the fifth day in a row and you said, I'm going to do that, or you're, you're going to journal, or you're going to celebrate the that little step that made you uncomfortable and you're going to get out there and share your voice, or you're going to talk to that person, or you're just going to show up. Like yeah. those are all wins to celebrate. And those will tie directly in to, you know, continue to improve your self-worth because yes. that's the confidence yes. internally. I love that. And it just reminded me of something else that I read recently, um, where like, if you kind of shift your focus from away from the goal and more onto who, who you have to be in order to naturally achieve that goal, then it's going to help you in the long run because, um, you may not achieve that goal immediately. Um, for instance, if I were to be like, I want to be the kind of artist who shows at a museum. So if I was the kind of artist that shows at a museum, what would that kind of artist be doing during the day? They would probably keep a dedicated studio schedule. They would probably create works that are equal to the quality of a museum. Um, and these are all things that they're naturally doing so that they're actually a match for that opportunity when it comes, when it comes up. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, all of these are, are great things. And I know we could talk all day, but um, but yeah, this has been amazing. I think that there's so many little nuggets in here for people to really grab onto. Um, I love so, it, yeah. That was powerful. That felt as powerful, if not more, than the first time we chatted about some of this. So I'm really happy that yeah. we get to actually nail down some of these pieces because um, for me, these would, if I heard these before I was starting my business, I'd be like, wow, these are lifesavers. And, yeah. and, you know, these are, this is our wins to be able to capture, Hey, where did we get to? And what is all, what did our journey kind of look like? So mm -hmm. I hope this was some of some value to you and to all your listeners as well. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jake. And um, if anyone's listening and they want to contact you um, as far as maybe um, hiring you or any other reason, um, how can they find you? So um, I got to uh, look it up because I want to make sure I'm on the right account here. <laughs> but on Instagram, uh, I'm touchpoint, one word, touchpoint underscore design. And my website is touchpoint-design.com. So okay. I can be, I can be um, contacted through there. And the website on Instagram, um, I've got Facebook as well and a couple others, but um, hit up Instagram because I'm most active there. Um, and I hope to hear from you guys. If there's any way that I can help any, anyone in your audience or spark up a conversation um, or be of value or helpful at all. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jake. And we'll put all those links in the show notes um, below. So you can go check out Jake's, uh, Jake's work. 
So thank you so much, Jake. And um, I will be in contact and um, yeah, have a wonderful rest of your day. Awesome. You too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Inspired Painter podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate you leaving a five-star review with your experience. This helps other people discover the podcast who might be encouraged by it as well. And if you are interested in booking a coaching call with me to create a plan for your art career and overcome limits that may be holding you back, please visit the link in the show notes or send me a DM on Instagram at Jessica Libor Studio. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, stay inspired.